Welcome to the Blackcast, Blackcast 217, where in just a moment we'll be joined by my friend Katie Darrell, who hosts World's Greatest Tribute Bands, Wednesdays at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific on Access TV. Katie will be making a return visit to the Blackcast in a conversation from last week when she joined me in the studios of AfterBuzz TV to talk about the new season, its eighth season. Then, after I talk to Katie, we will shift the conversation for some real hardcore Nerdy nerd, nerd talk, where our very own Captain EO, Mr. Jeff DeRay, reveals his ideal rosters for the Justice League, Avengers, and X-Men. Then finally, I'll pose those same questions to return guest Jeff Winstead, who was on last week's show talking about his comic book, The Alternate. Make sure you check that episode out if you haven't heard it. We had a great conversation about collecting comics. But starting the show off right now, we're joined in studio by one of my favorite guests, the host of World's Greatest Tribute Bands, Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific, Katie Darrell. Welcome back to the Blackcast, Katie. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. So let's start with the fundamentals. These are the World's Greatest Tribute Bands, not cover bands Not talk about the difference bands. okay big difference i always say don't use the c word all right <laughs> yeah. you kiss your mother with that mouth <laughs> a cover band as many of you probably are very familiar with because of going to bars <laughs> i assume you go to bars um those are dudes or gals that play a variety of tunes so you know they're usually just in layman's clothes you know normal t-shirt jeans what have you and they'll maybe pull out a little benatar and then some journey and then maybe a little foreigner they're great musicians and they're totally fun to watch but they are so different from a tribute band. A tribute band tributes one artist and right. they dress up and act kind of, it's basically like theater, if you will. A great example is our um, tribute to Elton John, Kenny Metcalf. This is a great a guy that we, we all We know love. very well. We're big he, fans of Kenny Metcalf. Not only has he appeared on the show multiple times, but he um, comes to the show as well. So if you, you know, when we get to that detail, just know that when you come see the show, you get to meet Kenny Metcalf and Elton John guy. This is someone who plays the keyboards, you know, plays the piano, that dresses up in costumes from specific tours, you know, knows in detail. Oh, yeah, this he is, has the sequin dodge uniform yeah. that, that uh, Elton wore, I, like 1981 or whatever it exactly. was. Exactly. Yeah. And so he he looks like him. He has the talent of the voice and the musicianship. And then he'll even like, you know, talk in an accent like him. So it's really fun. So a tribute band basically is doing, I, I don't even want to say an impersonation. It truly is an homage to these bands. So this season when we have a tribute to the Beatles, you will see, you know, the guys dressed up in Sgt. Pepper's outfits, speaking in British accents, playing the instruments as they were played by the Beatles. For instance, our Paul McCartney taught himself how to play left-handed because oh, wow. that's how Paul did it. That, like yeah. he was not an original lefty. So this is how crazy detailed well, these tribute bands are. That's what I was going to say. That attention to detail is so important because if I saw that, I probably wouldn't think about how Paul plays left-handed. Right. I know that now that you say it, but it's not something that I would look at the band and like, oh, the band's good, except uh, what's with the what's with the right-handed Paul? So that's so important yeah. because to them, there are people who would be like, oh no, they're oh. not an authentic enough Beatles band. I don't want to see this one. Absolutely. Yeah. Like when, when uh, a couple seasons ago, we had a tribute to Nirvana yeah. And, you know, obviously one big detail was that he was a lefty as well. So I had to find a lefty Kurt Cobain and he had to have rockin' hair. Well, that's very important. Yeah, no, and I mean, because it's a TV show, the obviously the appearance is just as important because I think a lot of tribute bands get the sound down, they know the songs really well, right. but having that look is so important. And so for our listeners who haven't seen the show, and shame on you if you haven't seen the show, talk a little bit of how it works. You know, it's per yeah. they perform live at the Whiskey A Go Go, the exactly. famous, the legendary Whiskey the A Go Go. The world famous Whiskey yeah. A Go Go. So what happens, like a, a day in the life of the world's greatest tribute bands, this is a live television show. In order to see it, you have to turn on 
on your television. It's not an internet thing. It is a television thing. You have to turn on your TV to access TV. That's the network that Mark Cuban owns in conjunction with Ryan Seacrest Productions, AEG, CAA Talent Agency. There's a collaboration with CBS. We have so many great partners in this TV network. And so you turn on the TV on Wednesday night at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific, and you will see an awesome tribute band. For instance, last week was the season premiere and we had a tribute to Led Zeppelin. This Wednesday, we will have a tribute to Metallica. So you turn on the TV and it's me standing there with the crowd screaming behind me. We're at the Whiskey A Go Go. You know, I tell you a little bit, you know, some fun details about the band. And then we go straight into the concert. And it's really about the music. I always tell the bands because I go over their set list with them. Don't chit chat. No one wants to hear your chit chat and why you were motivated to create this tribute. You know, <laughs> as much as I like the story, the viewer at home, you just want to you want to sit there and just rock out at home. So not only can you watch live, you can tweet live and your tweets will be popping up on the screen. So you could let us know, hey, I don't like that drummer or hey, that drummer is awesome. And I will tweet back with you as well. So you might pop up on the screen. You might just get me hitting you privately, telling you to scram and get off here if you're going to be negative. <laughs> <laughs> and then you also it's a live TV. Show. So there is the live studio audience, if you will. So if you are in the Los Angeles area, you can get free tickets and you can come be part of the show. Obviously, you will have set your DVR to record it at right, home because you wouldn't want to miss it. Because that's such an important part <laughs> of you know keeping the show on and keeping people yeah. watching the show is to DVR and watch. I like to go myself because I know you. I get to sit up in the VIP hey, section. It's VIP. Yeah, I get to rub elbows with Kenny Metcalf as Elton John. <laughs> but so for people that just want to go and be in the crowd, Eventbrite.com. That's Right. Get the tickets. Now, what I was, and wait, can, yeah. let me say, a lot of people who have gone to live television record or t television recordings in the past leave with a bad taste in their mouth because they don't realize that, like, if you want to go on The Price is Right, you have to wait in line for like two and a half hours, and then like you know they tape things and they say, hold on, let's reshoot that, and it's it turns into this weird six hour ordeal for an hour long television show. The magic of television is sucked out of it sometimes yeah, when you're I, part of a studio. Last audience. week I was invited to a taping of American Ninja Warrior, and it starts at like eight p.m. and it goes until 5 a.m. and I'm like, no thanks. Yeah, no, yeah, I, that's, I, that's, I'm I, exhausted. Th yeah. So what's great about our show is since it is live television, is it literally starts at 7 p.m. on time because that's how television works, folks. And <laughs> you know, some some weeks it's a 60 minute show and some weeks it's a 90 minute show. It ends on time as well, so you can still get home get into your pajamas and be asleep by 9.30 if right. you are coming Which, to this taping. for those of us who have parents or who are parents <laughs> and have small children at home, the idea of being able to be in my pajamas at 9.30 is very appealing. And, you know, when you go live, you'll sometimes see one, two, or in the case of the Prince tribute, like six extra songs. Yes. Yeah. So uh, that's kind of a fun part too, is you get to see a little more. Yeah. Now, the thing to keep in mind though is, as you mentioned, it airs live and it only rebroadcasts one time, one time. a couple hours later, and then you can never see it again. Never see so it again. So you have to watch it live and or DVR it. But, you know, obviously watching live is, is where it's at. It's interesting. It's just you have to see it that night, basically. It is. Yeah. I, I like to explain it. That's kind of like Saturday Night Live. It, it's really only fun that that week. You know, occasionally they're like, oh, well, there's a great skit and yeah. I wish I saw that. Uh, you, you, you and know, I again, have both been to a taping of Saturday Night Live. I know we because have. we're at the same one. And the thing is, you're there and you're in the audience. You're like, oh, it was a really great show. But if you talk to somebody who saw it on TV, yeah, really wasn't that good. You're like, yeah. oh, but it was so funny in the studio. Yeah. So it's like being there, being live. Obviously, your show is always great on always TV great. and live. But it's just, it's interesting being 
part of a live audience, being in right. the crowd, it, it, it's so much more exciting. So you obviously want to do that, especially if you're in Los Angeles. But some of these acts, people I, I've talked to people, they travel for them. Right. Yeah. Now, there's a specific question in the chat, and I want to make sure we get to okay. it. From E. Schmitty, what band is most requested by fans to see again? He votes for Boss Sticks, oh. which was great. The combination Boston Sticks band. Yes, and that's actually, it's funny, because I, I was earlier describing the difference between a cover band and a tribute band, and some people are a little touchy with Boss because they're like, what? That's a mashup. That's more of a cover than a tribute. It's not. All right. Just don't argue me on this point. Trust me. They're, <laughs> that band is so good because the vocals yeah. for I mean, Boston and the Sticks is insane. They're not easy. So, yeah. I mean, to be able to nail that range of, yeah. of those high notes is very impressive. So we do actually, believe it or not, we do, uh, we get a lot of requests to bring back Boss Sticks. We get a lot of requests for Van Halen and ACDC in general. You know, there's, yeah. We've had two of each, and I swear we just get flooded all the time with people saying, I want to see them again. People love Van Halen. People love ACDC. The Beatles are always a fan favorite, and people love the Fab Four and uh, Britain's Finest, both of which have been on our show. Right, and the Fab Four is the one that's going to be on as part of the season finale, yeah, which we'll talk so. about. That'll be an exciting show. The interesting thing, of course, with the instances of both ACDC and Van Halen, they both throughout their career have two very good, prominent, yeah. high-profile singers. Now, ACDC apparently also has Axl Rose now, <laughs> but there's been no music, no new music recorded. So it's interesting. So you can get a David Lee Roth slash Sammy Hagar, right. or one who does only one or the other. Now, the, the Van Halen tribute I saw, I think there was a Sammy Hagar right. who joined them, but the band only has a, a Dave. So you have to carry an extra singer, I guess, if you really want to get the entire catalog of a band's history. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it is really fun because just like people being passionate about the real band and being like, Oh, I only like the Hagar era and, and what have you. Yeah. People are equally as passionate about their tribute band and which tribute you're getting out of him. So yeah. um, it's a no, touchy and, subject. And believe me, we could talk about Van Halen for the rest of the show. But the interesting <laughs> thing is like everybody thinks like, oh yeah, David Lee Roth, he was so great. When you look up and you think about the songs that Van Halen had with Sammy Hagar, it was like mm -hmm. so many like number one singles. And they're all great songs, but you don't mm -hmm. hear them very often because you know who doesn't play them live? Van Halen. Yep. <laughs> because yep. Dave's not going to be able to sing those songs. Well, and you know, it, what's really funny is Sammy Hagar actually has a television show on Access TV, yes, the does, same network. Yeah. Um, it's like Road Trip with Sammy Hagar. And he, Sammy Hagar is so genuinely cool. Yeah. I've hung out with him on multiple occasions, both for work and just hang out. Just hanging out with Sammy just Hagar. Just hanging out at Cabo Wabo. <laughs> yeah, just hanging out at the hair, hair salon together, <laughs> apparently. Um, and he's just such a cool dude. And he actually, one of his biggest arguments that he he's made is that he doesn't have permission to play his, his Van, Van Halen, Halen songs, songs oh, wow. on recorded television things. So like if he wanted to do a Sammy Hagar music special, he would not be able to play he any of play his Van Halen. He can't drive stuff. 55, but he can't play right now or exactly, whatever. Exactly, oh, because the the riff between uh, him and the boys is still so thick. Um, wow. So he actually has directly re referenced the World's Greatest Tribute Bands and saying like, I don't know how they get away with it by us you know, getting to play some of these songs. And the truth is, is that's the magic of live television. <laughs> right, because it's <laughs> live. There's a lot of live. rules. Go, go and read about the laws and what you don't do. But with live television, you know, I don't need the permission per se. I have to pay for it. You yeah. Know, you got to pay for it. Of course it. you got to pay. Um, yeah. But you don't have to have the permission from the artist. And so then that's why we don't replay things again, yeah. because well, it'd be really hard to, to go, get the permission. To go back to Saturday Night Live for a second, I had a friend who actually, he worked on the production side and there would be sketches that used music or they had like a mm -hmm. Disney parody once. And during the live show, you can get away with that. As soon as it gets rebroadcast, you're like, hey, whatever happened to that? Nope. It's can't, can't dead. use it again. 
not yeah. find that online Which, unless someone so recorded it on their phone. Yeah, the TV. that's the only way to see it. So yeah, it's obviously. Uh, so one of the things I was going to ask you, Pierre Kelly in the chat has now asked, how did they pick you as a host for a tribute band show? Did you come up with the idea first? It's your show, correct? Well, well so it, it is my show. Um, what's great is Access TV, a little bit of history, used to be called HDNet. Right. It was the world's, the world's first high definition TV network. And it was started by Mark Cuban. A lot of people don't realize this, but Mark Cuban, you maybe know him just as, you know, the cool guy from Shark Tank or the loudmouth NBA owner of the Dallas Mavericks. He was a millionaire and then became a billionaire because he was the guy that basically invented streaming audio. The reason why we have streaming audio online on the internet is because Mark what, Cuban. What we're doing right now, we're streaming video and audio. You know, yeah. is because of him. Th thanks, Mark. <laughs> he put together the team that invented the software yeah. and sold it. And so when he sold his company um, and the shares to, I believe it was uh, Yahoo, Yahoo. I think, yeah. He went to bed a millionaire and woke up a billionaire. He then, it's a great night. Yeah, good night, right? <laughs> I only woke up with a hangover this morning. Jeez, I can only imagine having more dollar signs. So he took this money, obviously, and like any cool person would do, he bought the Dallas Mavericks. He bought this dope-ass house in um, Dallas, Texas. And one of the rooms was like a media room. So he went to what, what was like a radio shack back then. I don't know. This is 1997, 98, 99. And they sold him this very fancy television, a high-definition TV. Oh, yeah. There was no programming for it. So so he basically said, let's have a TV network that has high definition programming so that we can use these fancy screens. He created HDNet. HDNet then merged several years later to become Access TV. I've been with the network since basically it started. It's been around for 15 years. I know this is a terribly long answer. I, uh, this is the third show that I've hosted and produced for Mark Cuban's television network. And so when my second show ended, Mark graciously didn't fire me. He said to me, let's come up with a new idea. What are we going to do? And we bounced ideas back and forth, back and forth. And then one day, it was, it was almost like Thanksgiving Eve. He emailed me and was like, hmm, tribute bands, do something with that. And I was like, what, what, what is this? I don't even know what this means. Mom! Yeah. Mom! <laughs> and um, I basically from there researched tribute bands, figured out the this whole subculture and subgenre, and came up with the format. And so I put it together as the producer. And as the producer, I said, you know who'd be a really good host for this show? <laughs> this girl right here. So Did you have to audition for yourself? Uh, the casting couch <laughs> that I put Yikes. myself through was really intense. Yeah. But you had a great audition, and that's I all that mattered. Yeah, so that was sort of what I was wondering is how it was put together. But when you think about it, I don't know exactly what's on Access TV all day, but what I see is a lot of music-related programming. Right. So it's a perfect fit for them. It you know, is. you mentioned that that Sammy Hagar has a show. They have reruns of Gene Simmons' show, and there's a lot of concerts and things. So it's a perfect fit. We even have Nashville and the UK version of X Factor. Oh, that's right. On network. So there's so there's music, you know, pretty much throughout the day. So it is a great fit. And this is the eighth season, which is crazy to think about because I've known you for three years and that was the third season. So right. you just pack a lot of seasons in yeah, there. Yeah, we typically do two seasons um, a year. We kind of have a spring season and a fall season. They're usually anywhere from 10 to 12 episodes. There was the exception of, I guess, what was it? 2015, I did, I was pregnant, so we only had so, one season. So, Mark Cuban, the kind of boss that wasn't like, yeah, you're pregnant, so uh, where's the show? <laughs> yeah, you know? exactly. Why don't you put on one of those slutty dresses <laughs> and go to that bar? He actually was, uh, it was the best maternity leave uh, anyone could have asked for. I, I know that that's a real hot button issue right now in politics, yeah. and rightfully so, and I can say Access TV and Mark Cuban made my whole pregnancy and maternity leave 
so wonderful. I'm so gracious and thankful. And it's just, it's, I am so lucky to get to work at a place that I basically can call my coworkers family. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it, you know, from everything you've said to me, you know, off air, that Mark's a great boss to he have. Is. And he's very accessible, mm-hmm. which billionaires are not always accessible. <laughs> no. there, there might be a billionaire in the White House right now. Probably not that easy to get a hold mm. of. So, but what I was going to say was that you were talking about maternity leave, and it turned out that you had your son, Hawkeye, right around the time my wife had our son, Felix. Mm-hmm. So, I knew you from the show, but then all of a sudden it was like, oh, we have these kids that are like literally two months apart. Yeah. So we started taking them to the the Mommy and Me movies on Monday mornings at the theater near where we both live. And it was just this fun thing where it's like, you bring this little kid, to, it's filled with little kids. Yeah. It's such the opposite of going to the Whiskey Go-Go to see a tribute right, band. Yeah. You know, it's like you're there, it's 10 in the morning. Boy, our relationship changed. Yeah, it was, exactly. It was like, I'm just going to like keep my eyes locked on the screen because I, I don't, I'm you like, know, there's feeding there's going on. There's a baby on, on my you know? And it's it's such a, like, a fun thing to do. Yeah. And there were so many, you know, moms there. Now, as we've, t- I think we talked about this in a previous interview that we did. Most of the movies, very kid-friendly. Yeah, yeah, Zootopia and such. Sure, except for The Revenant. For some reason, they thought it was a good idea which was show. my son's first movie, which <laughs> I'm sure he hates my, Winnie the Pooh my, now. My Yeah, exactly. He's terrified of Winnie the Pooh, and if he sees Yogi Bear, he's just going to cry. <laughs> but my son's first movie was the Peanuts movie, so that's like uh, a little bit more kid-friendly. Yeah. Anyway, so that was fun, and yeah, obviously we got to know each other a lot better because, you know, it was just like, oh, let's take pictures of the kids. And yeah. when we saw Batman vs. Superman, they both had like little Superman yep. outfits on. So... They're going to be pals. They and are. what we like to talk about is Felix and Hawkeye one day starting a baby tribute band. <laughs> you know? Now, we're not quite sure what yet, but please let us know if you're in the chat or you want to tweet out a suggestion. I-, I was tempted with Baby Gaga. Yeah. Oh, my God. Baby <laughs> Gaga is perfect. Wah, wah, goo Gaga, baby Goo Gaga. <laughs> So uh, back to Mark Cuban for a second. Yeah. I remember you told me that one of the reasons that the U2 tribute was on a couple times is because yeah. Mr. Cuban's a big fan. Does he give you feedback about a lot of the bands you choose? I mean, is it... He, he does. What's great is I always tell people, um, and, and I swear I say this in every interview, um, is that Mark Cuban is very hands-on and hands-off, meaning when he has an opinion or a suggestion, you will get an email. It may be 2 a.m., it may be 2 p.m. He will drop you a note and let you know exactly what's on his mind. But then it might go radio silent for weeks or months. Right. And that's always good. But then it also starts to get to you because you're like, oh, I haven't heard from him in a while. Yeah, does he it's know? like, we did it five does. really good shows, yeah. but he didn't say you anything. You do yeah. know I'm employed. <laughs> Hello? Is this thing on? Um, so I, I love that about him is that he he trusts his employees and he trusts that you're steering the ship. And if he, he thinks that you're going off course, he will let you know. Um, and I remember when I was booking that first season in particular, I was so, so nervous. And so every band before I even put a contract out to them, you know, I'd say to Mark, I was like, okay, I think I found, I think I found um, a Fleetwood Mac. And he'd like respond, yes. And I'd be like, yes. <laughs> and I mean, each band was like that. And, and since then, I haven't had to go through him. Um, and it's not that I had to, I just felt like I wanted to make sure that I you was doing this sure right. You had to make sure that you were actually and choosing I guess the right I would bands, say yeah. I gained my confidence after that season and said, okay, I understand. And and I just know what works for our network. You know, a lot of people say, how do you pick which which bands? And the truth is, is not only, I, I look for sound and talent first and foremost. Of I don't course, want, you yeah. know, a crap band on television. So they have to be good at what they do, but it also has to resonate with the access TV crowd. And, and sometimes the live studio audience doesn't quite understand that 
because they will say, why don't you ever have a X, Y, or Z tribute band? And as much as some of those bands might be fantastic, it's all about ratings. And so I want to cater to the Access TV crowd and they love classic rock. They like rock. They like country. As much as I love grunge, they don't love grunge as much. So, you know. Right. I, so you referenced the Nirvana tribute, mm-hmm. which was one that I was personally very oh, excited so for because first of all, the band was great. But even before I got there to see them, I never got to see Nirvana because right. they broke. I was in high school and they also unfortunately weren't around for very long. Right. There was one show in New York that I could have gone to and then they never really toured after that, unfortunately. So getting to see those bands that you've never seen is great. But like Nirvana is sort of at the top, you know, there was also a Pearl Jam tribute. Mm-hmm. So in that genre, they're sort of the only ones you could ever, ever really do. I mean, I guess a band like Soundgarden might be Alice right. in Chains, but those are, that's, you know, when you start going down the list, they're, they don't have the appeal. Everybody right. knows Nirvana songs. Exactly. You might have to think about some of those other bands, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains. And it was special the season that I had a tribute to Nirvana. I get really OCD about, you know, picking bands for special reasons. Right. And that happened to be, I believe it was the 20th year anniversary of Kurt Cobain's death. Yes. Um, So I was like, you know, this is a good time. If ever I was going to break the mold and do something that may not work with the network, but, you know, needs to show that there are other tribute bands out there and purpose behind them, I felt that that was a very special reason. And we're going to talk about this season as a whole in a moment, and that includes a non-rock band, which we'll talk about. There have been a few that I've seen anyway. I remember Sinatra, Johnny Cash, and there was a Beastie Boys one. So talk about (laughs) the decision about, okay, well, you know what? This isn't a classic rock audience, but it's Sinatra. Come on. Right, exactly. When you think of a tribute band or an artist that's being, you know, honored by someone that maybe you would call an impersonator, if you will, you know, Elvis and Sinatra, you know, come to mind. But then I was like, these are artists that have a huge catalog huge popularity and it really resonated with our audience on Access TV because they appreciate the classics and so it it felt right to kind of go a little bit old school even like this last season we did a Beach Boys tribute you know that was a little bit older but you know it worked worked for my audience Um, it was dreamy it was romantic and as always it helped because that band was great like that was one I was just watching on TV and I was like wow this band is great Yeah. yeah and I had been searching for a Beach Boys tribute pretty much since the end of season one and it took it actually it took my husband found that band and brought oh, it wow. to me because I had gotten a lot of submissions and they just weren't hitting it, you know, in the sweet spot for me. And I had done a lot of searches and uh, believe it or not, I had been searching and I had asked a lot of people too, and no one could recommend one that really was up to par for me. And I had been doing all my searches, believe it or not, like I think using Google and my husband just switched up at the search engine. And these guys came up like at the bottom of page two somewhere. Oh, wow. And or you're like, oh, certainly they must have broken up. This is why they didn't pop up sooner. <laughs> and I reached out and they were adorable. They were so sweet. They, they were, were from so somewhere kind. in the Midwest, right? Yeah, yeah. And they were so professional. I, I loved it. Like they got to the venue before me. I'm always the first person there. You know, I basically am unlocking the doors for everyone. And they were there. Like I opened the doors and they were like, hey, hey. <laughs> We're here to be the Beach Boys. I was like, oh, I love you guys. Yeah, when you think about it, a band like the Beach Boys, you know, it's such a long history, but they also, they had so many lineup changes. Yeah. They sound so different. So sure, you can play Kokomo, but what about the stuff from Pet Sounds? <laughs> you know, and so being able to cover the the Beatles, it's a, it, there's some different sounds, but it is yeah. from a shorter time span. So something like the Beach Boys, where they continue to record for so long and have hits in different decades, like I remember the Aerosmith tribute, Draw the Line. It was right. like, you could have done one that was just songs from the 70s or just one from the 90s, but uh, you know, you gotta be able to play it all, which right. is obviously a, an important part. Now, you know what to expect from seeing the audition videos. Right. 
but has there been a band that when you actually see them, maybe it's during soundcheck, but when you actually see them on stage, you're even more blown away than you thought you would Ooh, be? Are there any um, that come to mind that you were that much more impressed by seeing them live? You know, that's a really, really great question. Um, Thank bands, you, I came up with it myself. <laughs> bands that do great harmony always impress me in person. Um, I remember about two seasons ago, we had On the Border, and oh, the they were Eagles, Eagles tribute. Yeah. Florida, South Carolina, I, I can't even, God, I, I just totally apologize, you guys. They were really great. The video was good. And you always, I always get nervous when I see videos because, you know, the magic of editing, right? Yeah. Bells and whistles and smokes and mirrors. And so I always ask bands, you know, when you submit your video, I don't want your edited video. I want just a feed off the board and just show me what it looks like dirty and raw because I know what it's going to be like when my team gets a hold of you guys yeah. and they're mixing live. I, I have confidence in my team. So just send me your raw stuff. And so they had a really professional video. And so I was always a little nervous that I was like, mm, are they trying to trick me? And yeah. then they showed up and just really hit it out of the park. Another great band um, was our trip to do you remember Stevie Wonder? Oh, I do remember Ooh. that one. Yeah, he was great. He was so good. And wasn't a relative of Kenny Metcalf's in that band or something? I can't remember. Yeah, like his Ken daughter. Well, all goes look. Kenny Metcalf I'm so is getting. With Kenny Metcalf. Yeah, Kenny Metcalf as Elton John. Look, he's getting a lot of promotion out of this. So we I, have to stop. I need to talk I, about all the other I bands. I know, but he did give me a free hat once, so but, I feel like I owe him. Yeah, actually, uh, his daughters. Two of his. Yeah, he has two daughters, and I believe both of them sang backup um, for the. Stevie Wonder band because his backup singers couldn't travel with him. So oh, I wow. just knew that these were such talented women. Uh, they know how to perform. Uh, and so I kind of put them together because when I said, would you like to be on the show? He's like, I would love to, but dot, 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 that date, there's a conflict and I won't have my backup singers. And I was like, well, ah, I yeah. need the backup singers. Let's see what we can do for you. And that's another one, too. When you think about Stevie Wonder, you know, you have Superstitious and all those songs from the 70s. But then also I just called to say I love you. So it's like you have to, you know, you can't just obviously there are bands that cover only certain parts of the actual band's history. But it's probably best, especially when you're going to be on television, to get the ones that really cover everything. Right. Yeah. One more question about the actual videos that you get to see, the submissions. Do you usually know right away, like, oh, this one's going to be great? Or oh, sometimes, yeah, yeah I, I would imagine that it's pretty instantaneous. Again, I need to kind of bring my husband into the mix on this one because we both work from home. So when I do get submission videos, sometimes I, I'm not, you know, I'm just on my laptop and I don't have my headphones on. And he's a writer, so he might be, you know, across the way on his computer writing away and really intense in thought. And I hit play and it's, it comes through my speakers. <laughs> and there have been distinct moments where he has gotten up from his computer and come over and gone, who's that? Because he likes them so right. much. And other times where he's literally like, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, stop it. This is my job. Leave me alone. But yeah. it is really fun because it is great to have a sounding board at home. And if, if you know anything about my family and my husband, he is a magnificent singer and comes from a singing background. And basically his family growing up were the Von Trops. He was one of seven with three step siblings. And so they basically all could sing in harmony together. And then, then you have me, who's pretty much tone deaf, somehow running a music show. <laughs> Right. Well, you know what? Maybe one day your husband will start his own tribute band and be like, hey, can I get on the show? And he'll be like, eh, we'll see. Send me a tape. Send me a tape. Uh, not that type of tape. Not that kind of tape. <laughs> you perv. <laughs> now, uh, we spoke about this probably about a year ago. I noticed it's not in the lineup this year. So let's talk about 
the one act you're still trying to get a really good Bob Marley tribute. I want a really good Bob Marley. And and I love I love Bob Marley. It's such great summer music, you know, to have in the background. It's, and it, it just I love I love the one love, you know? Listen, it's such upbeat music. Why not have a tribute? There are tons of tributes around the country. I've searched. This is another one that I've done high and low. Um, there's a fantastic one, actually. I can't remember the name. They weren't booked. Their lead singer was white. And I just felt, I was like, yeah, if you're Bob gonna, Marley if you're has gonna, to be black. Like, that's just, yeah. this is, this again comes down to, it's not, it, I don't want to say it's a color thing, but like, that's just kind of the persona. I, mean, it, it, I want someone, know. one of the things, and, and this is just to be very clear, is when Mark Cuban and I were talking about the show, one thing we said was we want people to be, obviously to tune in for the show, but if someone was just clicking by on channels, to click by and see ours and stop for a minute and go, wait a minute, it's, is that Mick Jagger? You know, and, and so I want someone to stop and go, is is this a Bob Marley concert? So for that reason, you know, I, I really want someone that, you know, can carry off the persona, the look, uh, the right. attitude. Well, it's like we talked about, it's for television. It has yeah. to look that way. You know, if you were doing this for radio or for the internet or something, maybe you'd be like, well, it doesn't really matter what they look like. You know, it's just they have to sound like yeah, it. But yeah. that takes such a huge part of the presentation. So if you're out there, and you have a Bob Marley tribute. Please. Please. At Katie Darrell. She'll let you know where to send there it. There is a, a real great one. Um, oh, yeah. You go go to the Access TV website. It's just plain www.axs.tv. Click on the picture of me. That will bring you to our show page. And it will tell you how to submit your band. Um, because I am always looking at submissions. There is a great one out of the UK. I have to say. I have stumbled upon these guys. We are chit-chatting. That's all I can say. All right, well, not this season because we're going to talk now about what's on the docket. Now, we already mentioned great tribute to Led Zeppelin. They did Led Zeppelin 4 in its entirety. Yes. Very exciting. You know, obviously, you can pick a lot of albums from their discog mm -hmm. discography and have them play that. But Led Zeppelin 4, probably the best known, mostly because of Stairway to Heaven. But they were great. And they've yeah. been on before Led Zeppelin again. They were. They were our season finale episode for season two. Okay. Um, so I would say they are a back by popular demand. I know there was the person that asked about, you know, bands that get requested to come back. So I do get, you know, have the opportunity to bring back some acts. We brought them back. We knew that we wanted to do the album in full because we wanted to pair that nicely with our season finale with the Beatles, which we'll go into a little bit. That has, a, a, you know, reason why we're doing full albums this season. How did you like those lasers? Lasers were amazing. I tried to take pictures and post them on Instagram, but they just didn't do them justice. Yeah. And where, yeah, sort of where I was sitting over by the soundboard, there were lasers just the whole time. I'm like, and the laser the whole time guy, you're like, my eyes, am I going yeah, to go blind? The laser guys go around and like give their cards to everybody, mm -hmm. at least in the VIP section. So I'm like, man, do I need lasers for anything? If only we could have had some lasers in I here know. today, but I should have called the laser guy. Yeah, but. they're artistic laser productions. They are fantastic. They did our lasers um, when we had a Pink Floyd tribute. Uh, which one's pink um, a couple seasons Who ago. also did Dark Side of the Moon in its entirety. Exactly. On 420. So on you want to talk about real ske perfect synergy. scheduling. Yeah, exactly. Um, we're going to have lasers this coming up uh, Wednesday for our Metallica tribute. Big surprise because we weren't it, it wasn't originally planned, but I decided to bring but just in the lasers, lasers again. just the lasers are so cool. And I think we're going to bring back lasers for 
our ELO tribute this season, oh, yeah, Electric I Light Orchestra. Talk about the ELO tribute. And at least one more to be determined. I'm kind of uh, wiggling and deciding who's going to get that. Just figuring out the laser budget for the season. <laughs> exactly. Have a laser budget. So let's talk about Damage Inc., the Metallica tribute. And again, the show is World's Greatest Tribute Bands. It is Wednesdays at 10 Eastern, 7 Pacific on Access TV. Tell us about this band. Uh, when I saw a photo posted of them, one of the guys looked like James Hetfield. I had to look for a second. I'm like, did they yes. use a picture of Metallica? Nope, the guy just looks like James Hetfield. And that's what's so fun about these bands is he does look like James. And just like, you know, we mentioned Hollywood U2, the Joe who plays Bono looks like Bono and can sound like him too. And our Mick Jagger for Mick and the Stones, first off, his name is really Mick and yeah. he looks like Mick Jagger. And you're like, I don't understand how the universe did this. <laughs> like, talk about having a doppelganger. It's like, you know, sometimes I want to know, like, where's the G Giselle Bunchen doppelganger, yeah. you know? Because. <laughs> Uh, maybe I'll just do a supermodel tribute show. Um, I think but, a lot of us would like to know where the Giselle Bunch did yeah. double, double uh, is. Damage Inc., so cool. Um, what's fun about the lead singer is he, at one point, had long hair as well and cut it before James Hetfield cut it. And he was like, uh, the fans are going to re get really bummed. And then all of a sudden, James cut his hair too. And he's like, nailed it. Yeah, wow. So they're on the same brain wavelength. Uh, there are two brothers in this band. Oh, that's cool. Um, so I really like that. Chris and Kevin Knight. So I kind of like the synergy of the bros together. Um, this band can play really hard. And I mean, if you're going to be a Metallica tribute, you have to. <laughs> this morning, I literally had to. Uh, I sent them an email, um, and I was like, "Friendly reminder: there will be no moshing at this Wednesday <laughs> show because of all the TV gear. So obviously, we'll tell people upon entry, and we'll make announcements before the show. But if you start to see anything get rowdy, please feel free to finger wag and you know yell at people in between songs or in between riffs. Hey, stop that up front because we're going to need some." some help because, you know, it's Metallica. And as much as I would love the fans to get rowdy, please don't break our cameras. And the show sold out. And we, I do go through the set list with every band and a little spoiler alert or a sneak peek. I believe we are starting with Enter Sandman. I think that's a great so way to start. So don't miss the first yeah. minute. Don't, yeah, don't tune in a couple minutes into the show. The week after that, it's the ZZ Top tribute. So I'm I'm hoping that this band Eliminator has real beards, but if not, I'm sure that they're very convincing. Like, I feel like you're not even listening to me this whole time. Of course they have real beards. I don't know. Some, a lot of, I've God, seen some of these bands know me, and they have wigs. I know, you know? I know. But the, and that's I my mean, biggest pet peeve is a bad wig. It's okay yeah. if you have a wig, but please don't make it be a Halloween right. cheap $20 or if you, wig. If you have a bad wig, at least make sure that the person you're imitating has a really bad wig. I won't name <laughs> yeah. any names, but uh, you know who oh, I'm talking about. Oh, you know who in a band. And Everybody knows who I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So the um, ZZ Top guys, they do have real beards. They are from Chicago. Their name is Eliminator. And it's very important to know that they are a Chicago Eliminator because there is an Eliminator out of Kansas as oh. well. Um, and they're fantastic. It, it, it was, you know, I, I got submissions from both the bands and it's really hard because once you start seeing a bunch of bearded guys, you're like, wait, which one did I just click on? Uh, but these guys from Chicago are so nice, so fantastic to work with, very professional. I'm just really excited to get them into the Whiskey A Go-Go and see, pull their beards and see them play. <laughs> I think that that should probably be a picture 
that you post is you pulling on their beards like that. The week and after, then I'm going to dress them up as Gandalf after the show. <laughs> the week after that, on March 29th, uh, the live at the Fillmore is the tribute to the Almond Brothers, and you know that's another one where it's like, well, that was such a, a you know, legendary, great live yes. band. So you have to you have to be able to play the songs, but also you know maybe not for television, but they would also jam for like 20 minutes between songs. So well, so that is a, a, a <laughs> this is this band has been so professional and patient with me because when we started doing their set list um, one of the things they wanted to do was Whipping Post which is the song off of the Live at the Fillmore album which right. is you know ranked by Rolling Stone magazine as like the best live album of all time so if you know anything about this album and that song in general I believe it's 27 minutes that the band got up and jammed this song Whipping Post and so your show is just going to be them playing it twice well so that was the problem <laughs> is these guys said we want to play Whipping Post and we want to do it you know as it you know was done live and I had to say but you know it's a 57 minute show there's a commercial break I need to chat a little bit that only actually leaves you 51 minutes of actual music and I'd like to hear a couple other songs as well so we went back and forth and they did um, finally give in to me and they are playing Whipping Post but I believe they're doing a 21 minute version versus 27 minute version. Alright so you're not going to be you know Almond Brothers fans not going to be too disappointed you're still going to get to see Whipping Post. You will hear Melissa and some of the other great songs as well. Yeah. Now, one that I'm very excited about is what we referenced before, Strange Magic, a tribute to ELO. Mm-hmm. ELO is this like amazing band that was so talented. Jeff Lynn was in that band. And it's more one of those bands that you kind of have to tell people, like, no, these are the ELO songs. Like, oh, I know all those songs. Yeah. But they don't necessarily right you away think of ELO. So talk a little bit about this band, Strange Magic, that's a tribute to ELO. I was so impressed with their vocals because, you know, it, it, it is tough, you know, songs and vocals and just keeping it tight and not being cheesy that's the other thing is that was an era of music that can be very cheesy if not done properly um and i just was very impressed when i talked to them on the phone and told them what my expectations were and when i saw their submission videos and asked for additional links everything was really really turnkey with them and what i love about this band is they are from canada because see it is called the world's greatest tribute band so i searched the world (laughs) and i went to canada (laughs) well see but that's great and i'm excited to hear because that's another one of those ones where you'll watch and be like oh this song oh and this this song oh i know that yeah Mm -hmm. and there have been a few of those where i'm like oh, i think i like that band and then i'm at the show and i'm like oh i like every single one of these songs and that actually a couple years ago we we stumbled across that with uh, another band and that people were like I don't know the songs and so that's why we started putting a graphic on the screen believe it or not like a you know ELO song still to come and so we would we you will see that during the live TV oh, broadcast so that you are you know remembering oh okay yeah I'm not going to change the channel because I know that song as well so we're yeah. going to be a little oh, that strange magic band is going to play the song called strange magic after mm. we get back from commercial so that's now you're talking about those songs are hard to sing how about on April 12th, the Queen tribute, which I'm very excited about because I think, I don't know that many people that ever saw Queen perform live. Right. Most, for the most part, you needed to be in the UK before really the mid 80s. Right. So I'm very excited for that band. Talk a little bit about their name is Almost Queen, correct? Yes. Yeah. And they have two things that I find very exciting and important about them. Number one, they are endorsed um, by Queen's management. Queen's management has sent a letter on their behalf saying, we support this band. So we're not going to be litigious and sue you guys. Right. Um, so having the support of the real band is a big deal. It shows their quality and how authentic they 
are and paying their tribute. Uh, and number two, Howard Stern, which I know we are both huge fans yes. of. Howard Stern himself has seen this band perform and is quoted as saying, and I may have it a little bit off, but basically says, this Queen tribute is better than the current tur touring Queen. Right, which is with Adam Lambert, who's yeah. a great singer, but he's not Freddie Mercury. And, no. I, and you know what? You know who would probably be the first one to say he's not Freddie Mercury? Adam Lambert. Right. You right. know, it's a great gig, good for him. But so to get a tribute to Freddie Mercury oh, this in guy Almost has Queen. The outfits, he has that microphone twirl. He's got an epic mustache. I was just going to say, I'm sure, because now that I didn't mean to insult you with the ZZ Top yeah. beards. I knew that the mustache was going to be there. <laughs> He's so growing I'm, it now. Yeah, very excited for that one. And as we alluded to earlier, on the 19th is going to be a non-rock performer. But talk about the Dolly Parton tribute that will right. be that day. So this is one... Um, which is going to be tricky, you know. The Whiskey Go-Go, when you think of Sunset Strip, you don't think about, you know, country music. Right. But Dolly Parton is so important. She is the number one selling female country artist of all time. Um, she does so much for her community. She, you know, even remember when the wildfires of Tennessee, right. you know, a couple months ago, she immediately, you know, jumped into action, had a benefit concert, which actually was broadcast on Access TV. Um, she's just so sweet. Her songs are fantastic. I mean, a lot of people forget, you know, she was the original singer and writer for I Will Always Love You, the right. Whitney Houston song that everyone associates with the bodyguard. That was Dolly. Um, and so I just thought, you know, it may not be a whiskey, a go-go type band, but it it certainly is a an artist that deserves to have a tribute and be represented. And Access TV, again, we show, you know, the TV show Nashville. We have a lot of, you know, country artists um, in concert on the network. It's going to hit, uh, it's going to be a home run for the network. There's and, no doubt in my mind. And you told me that uh, the performer, I guess it's Karen oh. Asdolly, that she doesn't just sound like her when she sings. She actually speaks that way, too, I know. which I is love adorable. Her. <laughs> when I called her to do the first telephone interview, it was Christmas time, and we're chit-chatting, and I got lost in her voice, which within the first 30 seconds because it was just so sweet and just down to home. And then in the middle of the conversation, she's like, hold on, I need to take out my cookies out of the oven. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I love you. And uh, going to the wigs, I, when she was booked and, and I said, I need you to send me your promo photos because we need to put together some artwork um, you know, using your photos. She's like, give me two more weeks. I just ordered a $4,000 wig and I want to make sure my photos are taken with the good stuff. And yeah. I respect and appreciate that because, you know, again, the attention to detail. Now you guys know when you tune in, it is a wig. Um, that that hair, I mean, Dolly, even Dolly wears a wig, you know, but um, it's nice to know that she, you know, went out of her way to get the top qualities. Right, and I mean, that's the thing too, that we talked about how important the appearance is. A lot of these bands put a lot of the money that they make from performing mm -hmm. and touring back into the stage yeah. show. I remember talking to the guys in the Kiss tribute, which was called Mr. Speed. Ooh. They spent like 20 grand so much on their costumes and all their stage setup. But if you're going to be a Kiss tribute, it has to look good. You yeah. can't just buy a bedazzled gun yeah. and do this. You have to have it professionally <laughs> sewn yeah. on, you know, and they really, they spent a lot of money on their and, costumes. And it really translated. So, because that, for me personally, that was my favorite one, but that's just because of the kind of music that I like. That liked. was my favorite dress of all time that I wore to that show, by the way. So if you can go back and reference any photos um, of that night on my Facebook page, the dress I wore for the Mr. Speed. Um, it was fringe, it was red, there were cutouts, <laughs> it was so sexy. Uh, we're, we're running a little short on time, so uh, the next couple weeks okay. after that, we have April uh, 26th, <gasps> Dave Matthews Band. Not a huge fan myself, okay. but... I know people love that band. Every yeah. summer, my Facebook feed blows up from people that are so excited to go see mm -hmm. Dave Matthews again, like they do every summer. So, yes. great live band, which I can I, I can respect. Saxophone, that. Yeah. fiddle, top musicians. Uh, 
hard vocals to nail. Uh, this band actually, one of the band members is a full-time fireman. So I kind of love that it fit in his schedule because you know, firemen are like one day on, two right, day off. Yeah. And so like luckily they were able to get out here on a Wednesday night to perform. They're from Texas. I just think that this is a, a great one, not only in the venue when you come and see it live and be part of the audience because it's a jammy song. So it's easy to just have a beer in your hand and relax. But watching at home, you're going to kick your feet up and you're going to feel like, you know, this is a summer jam band. I could be at the Red Rocks, you know, close your eyes and just listen to the music and you really fall in love with them. And then the penultimate show of the season, May 3rd, Dreamer, tribute to Supertramp, which is another band, has great songs, but you better be able to hit those high notes. <laughs> you got to be able to hit those high notes. Another band from Canada. So this is fantastic. They have two Canadian bands. And, wow. Uh, exactly. You know, just there's talent. It's just there's just bands that are easy to put together a tribute band. And so I'm going to maybe do Motley Crue, you know, because... It's a fun band, but the vocals aren't necessarily as hard. Um, yeah. And then you have Super Tramp, and you have to be a, a true musician to be able to pull that off. Yeah, so very excited for that one. And let's talk about the grand finale, The Beatles by the Fab Four, performing in its entirety, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, which I did some quick addition. That album is 50 years old later this year. Yes. So a great choice. Talk about having that band, whereas there's been a different Beatles tribute before, right. having them perform mm. Sgt. Pepper in its entirety. So we have, we've done the Beatles twice before this, once with the Fab Four and once with Britain's Finest. Both were fantastic. Both were really good at doing the quick changes for me, because I think I required both of those bands to not only do the early era and some Sgt. Pepper songs and the later era. So there was like three wardrobe changes. At one point, I remember like Ringo trying to run on stage without a shoe in between, you know, <laughs> commercial breaks um, but because of Sgt. Pepper's being 50 years this year I thought you know we just need to actually I need to give credit to Danny Zach um, one of our producers over at the network he was the one that brought that to my attention and he said you know this is a big you know milestone 50 years of Sgt. Pepper so I said let's do this in its entirety but then there will be some minutes left over because it's going to be a 90 minute episode so they right. will pull out some of the later music as well and this is I mean there's like a sitar involved in that album well, so we're, yeah, we're flying th in a th sitar there's player. an entire sitar song yeah. on Sgt. Pepper's and that's the other thing too is like obviously the Beatles have not been an active band since 1970 but even when they were they, they didn't never... play these songs live no Jimi Hendrix played uh, uh, Sergeant Pepper's live, but the Beatles never they did. They never played it. Yeah, so uh, I'm very <clears throat> excited for that show. And that will be May 10th on World's Greatest Tribute Bands. That's Wednesday, May 10th, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific, just like it is every Wednesday. And we talked about all these great shows coming up. Are there any that any bands that you think of that you love the band, but you know what, maybe not a good fit for the show? You know, like a tribute to that band. Um... You know, I've, I've explored the idea of doing a Green Day. I just, I, I've actually found a couple that are really great, but I just don't know if that's going to resonate with my TV viewer. Right. So, um, same with like Oingo Boingo. A lot of people are like, you need to get Oingo Boingo or Morrissey. And I just, I, I'm a little bit on the fence and need to kind of, believe it or not, I think, consult with the I think network if a little got bit a, more. A Morrissey who also did Smith songs, that would yeah. definitely help. But ultimately, really. They're kind of niche artists, even though they're right. hugely successful, and it doesn't necessarily translate to TV. Anyway, well, hopefully all these bands are on in the future, including a Bob Marley tribute that yeah, you find hopefully. somewhere between <laughs> now and season nine. But anyway, Katie, thank you so much for spending so much time chatting with me. She's Katie Darrell. She's on Twitter at Katie Darrell, and the website is AXS.TV. I'm joined now by the one and only Captain EO, Jeff Duray. On Twitter, at Jeff DeRay. Follow me for instant letdowns. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Is that true? Will I get an instant letdown? But <laughs> I mean, you, if you expect anything. Your, yeah. your Twitter is still private because, like, when I try and, oh, yeah. well, for longtime listeners of Blackcast, you know why yeah. his Twitter's private. But sometimes I want to, like, quote what you say and respond to it. And then I'm like, oh, I can't. Oh, He's bad. on lockdown. No, no, it's all right. I'll, I can unlock it. We I, can I unlock think, that I shit think, now? I think we've had enough <laughs> space. <laughs> Nobody's hopefully going through my Twitter looking for beef. Uh, I hope not. But you know what they should be looking for? Beats. Yeah. Because uh, I believe you've got the fattest beats in the bean, or is, am I am I wrong about that? Sure, fat beats in the bean, right? <laughs> the that fat. sounded very sexual. It was supposed to. <laughs> it was definitely supposed to. All right, so there's sort of an overarching storyline through many Blackcast episodes ago. Agent Starling and I sat down, and we went through... This is like super nerd topic. We went through, and we came... We put together our ideal superhero teams. Uh, We did the Justice League, the Avengers, and the X-Men. Now, we did this because our friend James Brennan, Creepy James, he wanted me to ask Dennis Miller to do this. And I was like, you know, Dennis would have had like an answer of a couple here and there. This isn't really in his wheelhouse. So I'm like, this is black has gold. This is what we live for. This is why sometimes dozens of people listen to an episode of the black cast is because they want to hear stuff like this. Dozens. Literally dozens. I'm going to recap for hashtag Blackcast nation. Will and I actually agreed on the justice league because when I reminded him that it had to be six members. He wanted to put Martian Manhunter in there. I'm like, nope, you got to cut somebody off. You got to have six. So basically what I put together was the Super Friends. I have Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman, The Flash, and Green Lantern. And we'll agreed on that. Now, Jeff, your Justice League, who do you have in the Justice League? Pretty much almost the same, except I took out Green Lantern and put in the Martian Manhunter. I think that uh, that might hurt Will's heart a little bit, but he loves Martian Manhunter. I love Martian Manhunter, and it was a tough decision. Because here's the thing. I recognize that the Green Lantern is actually one of the strongest, most powerful of the Justice League. And he's an awesome character by all rights. However, when I watch uh, or have like read whatever Justice League that I have gotten... Green Lantern is always like, maybe it's because he's so powerful, but he, he just kind of gets nerfed in, in all the things that I watch. It's like, uh, we got to like lock him away because he could just will this whole battle over and that's kind of boring. So let's do it, something it, about it. it. Yeah, it is kind of boring. I, I get that. And, you know, that's sort of always been my biggest gripe with Superman is what I like is that my heroes have some kind of fallibilities and he has Krypton, uh, mm. Kryptonite, excuse me, sorry. Mm-hmm. I know. Somebody's writing. Dear sir, you said Krypton instead of Kryptonite. I am no longer... I am canceling my subscription to this free podcast. (laughs) Good day. But uh, So he's got Kryptonite, you know, and uh, very rarely does he run into somebody who can beat him. Doomsday, you know, I'm using air quotes, killed him. Yeah. But the idea that Green Lantern is also similarly powerful, it probably is why I like Batman more than any of them. Because at the end of the day, he's, he's a guy who just got ripped as fuck Mm -hmm. and spent a ton of money on gadgets. And he's like, yep, this is what I do now. He didn't get bit by a radioactive bat, although if he had, Then he'd be man bat. That's true, he would be man bat. (laughs) 
he is no Dr. Kirk Langstrom. I like Martian Manhunter because in everything that I've had Martian Manhunter in, he's just so fascinating to me, like a shape-shifting Martian. His weakness is such an easy thing, uh, fire, obviously, but yet, like, he's so powerful otherwise. Yeah, and one of the things that Will and I talked about is, even though I bailed on Supergirl pretty early. I liked the actor who played Martian Manhunter. I, I thought that, like, oh, this is actually an interesting character. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just at some point... I think feel like CW superhero shows aren't really for me, is, so, what, I, is what I'm coming to terms with. Oh, hey See, I'm basing this more on, like... Uh, they actually had or have them on Netflix... It was the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited cartoons right. from the Okay, and those are on Warner Netflix Brothers. now? Yeah. Okay. They've been on Netflix uh, for a while, at least. But they were the ones from around early 2000s, which is when I kind of shaped my a lot of my opinions of the Justice League and stuff like that, when I was old enough to, like, kind of actually care more and know what was going on. And John Johns was always, like, the coolest character. It was like, oh, yeah, you can, like, you know, telepathically communicate with everybody and shapeshift into this and do that and, like... His storylines were just so much more fascinating to me than the Green Lanterns. His were always like, oh, go see some big head guys. And then there's this other Kilowog guy who looks like he wants to kill everybody, but he's really nice. (laughs) So when it comes to Green Lanterns, by the way, are are you a Hal Jordan guy? Do you kind of like the core, some of the aliens? or I think the core is more fascinating. Uh, Yeah, because there's thousands of them, right? I like that idea that it was not, as somebody who didn't really read DC, it was not something I was familiar with until all of a sudden... Look, it was the 80s. We were all like, oh, hey, it's the Black Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I know now that his name is John Stewart. But the Black Green Lantern, it was that was interesting. You know, that all I of thought a sudden, he like, was supposed there was a to be the funny one. No, that's Iron Fist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I thought that John Stewart was supposed to be the funny one because he's a comedian. His name is John Stewart, for God's sake. <laughs> is he myself like, is no John reason. Stewart like Sammy Davis? He has a glass eye because the the mob took it out. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I I was just sort of wondering, you know, if you had a preference, you know, in terms of your Green Lantern. And let's talk a little bit about some of the other characters. Obviously, I don't know what else we need to say about Batman. Uh, Wonder Woman, excited for the movie. Mm -hmm. It's sort of, to a lesser extent than Aquaman, I need to be reminded how cool she is. Uh, I remember that there was one of those DC animated movies where... Carrie Russell did her voice, and I thought it was it was pretty well done. It was interesting. I, I watched that, and I'm like, all right, I can mm-hmm. see that that's pretty tough. But I'm excited for the movie because I just want to be, like, blown away by it. I'm very excited for the movie because I, I thought the trailer looked badass. I'm excited for the concept of, like, a tough girl that I actually believe could, like, get in these fights and, yeah. like, hold her own. Because that's what that's kind of the thing that always bugs me in in a lot of these like superhero or spy flicks where it's like you have this like a hundred pound girl and she's like disarming this like 250 pound like beefcake and i'm like look i believe that like a small woman effectively could like you know incapacitate a man for a minute and like get away like krav maga style but i don't believe that like a mercenary trained killer is going to get like punched by a 90 pound girl and go like i'm knocked out like yeah, that's just right. bullshit basically like bullseye is not going to get knocked through a wall by kitty pride exactly you know uh, and she's got great training she's got ninja skills kitty pride however she's just 
not capable of being that strong. Think about how many dudes Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow like beats the shit out of. Yeah. Now Black Widow is a badass character, and like so in that sense, I never really question it because I'm like, yeah, it's Black Widow, whatever. Yeah. But uh, last night I was actually at uh, ArcLight Hollywood. I saw a screening of Train Spotting Two, which was really cool, by the way. I'm very jealous, but we'll move on. Uh, in the lobby, you know how in Arclights they have, um, like, usually some costumes or something from yeah. the cast? They had Scarlett Johansson's costume for Ghost in the Shell coming up. And I walked up to it, and I was like, she is a midge. Like, yeah, she's very she small. She's tiny. It's funny, because my wife and I were talking about her earlier today, because we were at a doctor's office, and we saw a magazine cover, and it was... Oddly, it was Blake Lively, and Heather saw it from across the waiting room and was like, is that Scarlett Johansson? Awkward. You know, <laughs> both been married to Deadpool, of course. Mm -hmm. But uh, and then we started talking about how she's so much shorter, and then we looked her up, and then I just saw a photo of her from Ghost World where, you know, she's, I don't know, 18, 19, but she just looks like a, a baby. You mm -hmm. know, she's a child there. And you can see she's just so much more slight because she's so much younger. She's not that much taller than that now. No. So she's itty bitty. Like I saw the costume and was like, wow. I it's just easy for me to forget when I'm watching everybody on like a hundred foot screen that I'm a large man and therefore much larger than most of these people. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh but I'm just saying, like, so now putting that into context, if I saw a girl that size coming around trying to punch everybody out, I'd be like, uh no. Like I'm yeah. just gonna use my arm and hold you back like a, a little rascals cartoon stuff. Like <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It just seems a little ridiculous. So I was saying, yeah, back to the point, that I thought this Wonder Woman looked badass. And I have heard through the grapevine of maybe someone I know maybe worked a screening of this. Maybe. Supposedly it gets better as it goes on, or at least as it's cut now. There. Wonder Woman, the movie gets better. At, at, you know, you got to kind of get into it. That was you. the general consensus. No, that's interesting. All right. But that's all right. You know, hey, that happens in a lot of movies. Uh, My guess is a lot of people are going to be bored by, if I'm assuming correctly, they're on the island to sure, start the movie. That would and make they're sense. just going to be like, uh, what the hell is this? Yeah. And you know what? By the time it comes out, Maybe they won't really be spending that much time on the island, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, Let's move on to the Avengers. There are three members that Agent Starling and I agreed about. Captain America, Iron Man, mm -hmm. and Thor. Mm -hmm. And then I deviated a little bit. I went Hawkeye, Black Panther, and She-Hulk. Because I'm working from the comic books that yeah. I read in the 80s, and I think that those are characters that I feel like make the strongest Avengers. I feel like Hawkeye is a very important part of the Avengers. He started out as a bad guy. He's a very he's a much more detailed, layered character than they let him be in the movies. Mm -hmm. So I feel like he belongs there. So Will went with regular Hulk. Spider-Man and Black Widow. Spider-Man was very briefly in the Avengers in sort of like the 90s, and I don't know if he has been again, probably more recently. I don't think of him as an Avenger, but okay. he qualifies because he's been on the roster, so I uh, can't hold that against him. The Hulk I never considered for a second because even though he's in the movies, he was in, I think, two or three issues of the Avengers comic. Like literally Avengers 2 or 3, he's out. He's not on the team anymore because it's like, well, wait, we can't work with that guy. He doesn't play nice. How's he going to, you know, how are you going to be able to control his rampaging? I, I guess they try to in the movies. So that's sort of where our differences were. But we, we had half the roster was the same. So where do you 
weigh in? Uh, I mean, I guess I'm pretty close to Will. I got Captain America, Iron Man, the Hulk, Thor, Spider-Man, and Wolverine. Wolverine also during, I believe, at the same time as Spider-Man. It's interesting because, you know, look, they qualify. I just can't imagine Wolverine on a team that isn't the X-Men, you know? Being a regular part, I just feel like that dynamic worked well. They put up with him, and I don't know that Captain America on a regular basis would be able to put up with Wolverine. If you think about it, it's to a lesser extent. It's like Captain America and the Punisher. That's why I feel like this would be a fascinating especially it would be if you a great took, story if yeah. you took them now and not like you know a kitty like cartoon they had like a avengers disney tv show or something where the hulk is on it and he's just like yeah, it's like the agents you of, ate my cookies. yeah it's the nah. the agents of smash or something yeah, yeah some i show. watched that i was like oh look avengers characters i'm like oh this is terrible yeah but um fast forward to like four years from now i'll probably be watching it all the time with felix so. but but imagine the dynamics if they like wrote them kind of true to their i think it would be really interesting captain america I- iron man the hulk thor spider-man and wolverine yeah that's a that's not a group that meshes very well i, I certainly agree with that now this is traditional modern day wolverine this is not old man logan right no. yeah yeah okay. this because... is like angry dark snickety snick logan yeah. style wolverine where he kills people a lot. sure hey Kind of my favorite. And so. that's why it's like Captain America's constantly like, stop, what are you guys doing? You know, he's like constantly trying to like rein everyone in. Iron Man's a little bit too self-involved with whatever thing he's doing to like Always. care too much. Yep. Spider-Man's just wisecracking while secretly like disgusted by the fact that Hulk is smashing people's heads in and Wolverine is gutting them. I uh, know, uh, he's just like, I have to make light of this, otherwise I'll cry. And Thor <laughs> is working on his rock band. Well, Norse obviously. rock, obviously. <laughs> Norse rock, yeah. Norse metal. Uh, yeah, I look, I think that that would make for an interesting storyline comic book cartoon could never happen in a movie because of rights issues but i would be interested in reading that i think that that would be a short-term lineup you know that you'd Mm -hmm. get through a couple story arcs and i think the band would break up not norse rock but that avengers would break up to some extent i think they'd have to i feel like the storyline would be more about the infighting than anything i think you're absolutely right but uh, obviously please let us know what you think about some of these ideas you can tweet us at blackcast b-l-a-d-t C-A-S-T, and we're The Black Cast on Facebook. Now, let's move on to my favorite, the Mm -hmm. X-Men. Will and I had very little agreement, actually. We both agreed that our ideal X-Men team would have Cyclops and Wolverine on it. Mm -hmm. Now, basically, my team is 80s X-Men. Will's team is 90s X-Men, specifically the animated series for the most part. Mm -hmm. There's only six members, so not everyone makes the cut. Spoiler alert, not Jubilee. Basically, what we have here is a failure to communicate. I just felt like it belonged there from the way I said it. But anyway, Cyclops, Wolverine, and then I have Colossus, Nightcrawler, Storm, and Kitty Pride, known as Sprite, Ariel, ultimately Shadowcat. Uh, So I feel like those are my X-Men. I could read hundreds of issues of those X-Men. You read about 50 issues of, the, of you know, not exactly those X-Men, but essentially that was the core team. Kitty didn't show up till the end of the issues you were reading. But, you know, that's the team basically when I started reading. You know, Rogue was there too, but this is like the core team. Mm-hmm. Will had Cyclops, Wolverine, Jean Grey. Jean Grey was dead, like actually like dead, dead when I started reading the X-Men. So she was not who I thought of. So he has Cyclops, Wolverine, Jean Grey, the Beast, Gambit, Rogue. All people that you can picture from the opening titles. Yeah, exactly. You can see all of them. And I love the Beast, 
But oddly enough, I don't think of the Beast as a member of the X-Men as much because he was on X-Factor while I was reading comics. And before that, he'd been on the Avengers. Mm -hmm. So I feel like you can plug him in a few different places. But he's a great character. Love Hank McCoy. Love the Beast. I have no problem with Will's team. And I've read plenty of stories with a team that resembles that, including the only Marvel comic I read currently right now, X-Men 92, which I'm still enjoying. And it's basically the 92 lineup from the animated series, but they won't say that it's from the animated series. Cause I think that that's again, another legal rights issue from Fox kids or Fox TV, Fox animation, whatever. So that's where we differed, but who did you pick for your ideal X-Men? I've got Cyclops, Wolverine, Jean Grey, Storm, Gambit, and Nightcrawler. Love Nightcrawler. He mm -hmm. is actually a character that he was in Apocalypse and he showed up in X2. You know, Alan Cumming played him. He, if I say that name, I have to. Uh, I think that he's a character that has not been explored enough in the movies. I he's one of he was always one of my favorites. Actually, I love Nightcrawler. What a great power! I just there was something very like fun about him, mm -hmm. you know. And I always liked Nightcrawler right up until. Uh, X-Men 210 when he got his ass kicked and couldn't teleport anymore and he was like all bruised and then I was like whoa why'd we go there like what do we need that what do we need that for somebody took his tail and shoved it up his A they did not but they they might as well have <laughs> so I, look I, I like that lineup too see yours is like basically a hybrid of my X-Men lineup and, mm -hmm. and Will's I feel like it's easy to put the beast on there for Will because come on it's Kelsey Grammer well that's actually what he said yeah. You know, is that he loves the Beast as a character. He liked him in the cartoon. But because of the movies, him is Kelsey Grammer. It's, I called yeah. it. I didn't even need to know that to know yeah. that. You, well, you, you know him, so you know that. So uh, just as an exercise, Will and I decided to put together all female X-Men. And mine was, uh, well, ours were very different. So I went with uh, some of my favorites. Uh, Jean Grey did make it to that team because once you do all female, all time X-Men, yeah, she's great. You know, she's great. Is, she's great. <laughs> Even like pre Phoenix Jean Grey, that's that's a that's an important character. But man, they could never really get a good superhero name for her. Like she was Marvel Girl when it started. <laughs> Phoenix is an awesome name, mm -hmm. but then it's like, well, it's kind of like an alien that possessed you and made you like destroy whole planets. Let's not call you Phoenix. Mm -hmm. So uh, they were just like, okay, your superhero name is uh, uh, Jean Grey. I like it. So, uh, Jean Grey, Storm, Psylocke, I am partial to the original, the OG Psylocke, the British Psylocke, but I do have to concede that Asian Psylocke looked a lot cooler. She had much better skills. I just hate the fact that they took the character and made her Asian so that Jim Lee could draw her Asian, and that's the only reason why. I didn't understand what was going on. I'm like, well, she's going to change back. No, she never changed back. So she became Asian for no real reason. Her brother is Captain Britain. She is not Asian, but she did look cooler that way, so I had to give it. Uh, so uh, Psylocke Rogue, Kitty Pride again, and Dazzler. Uh, I think that Dazzler is a much cooler version of Jubilee, and I think that it's another character who's been underappreciated and I hope turns up in the movies. Uh, Wills was different. Jean Grey, Storm, that was the same. He also had Psylocke. He also had Rogue. Oh, you know what? His is exactly the same as mine except for one. He had Kitty Pride. So five of the six, he's the same as me, which I found surprising. So surprising that I did not remember that it was the same. And then instead of Dazzler, he had the White Queen. Uh, Emma Frost at one point is a member of the X-Men, although I do typically think of her as the chief bitch of the Hellfire Club. Mm -hmm. So I can't 
sign off on her being a part of my all-female X-Men team. There's some, like, real creepy implications with the Hellfire Club. At least yeah. when I was reading it, I was like, oh, they run train on her. Like, that's awful. <laughs> she's a poor, poor... She looks like she's, yeah, what, a sex-trafficked slave in that... In, the like, when the Hellfire Club's introduced. Yeah. yeah, I think that gets downplayed pretty heavily, especially in the animated series where the Hellfire Club is known as the Circle Club <laughs> because there was, like, the inner circle of the Hellfire Club. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it was a much more dark, sadistic, like, eyes wide shut sort of organization. Yeah, I mean, she's a fascinating character. She's a very strong telepath, and then they added this sort of diamond-hard skin aspect to her character. It is a diamond in the rough. Uh, but anyway, so you're all female X-Men. I have Jean Grey, Storm, Kitty Pride, Rogue, Dazzler, and, as a curveball, Mystique from the movies. All right. Mystique. Yeah, I mean, that's... It's I think a, movies... I like, I've always liked Mystique. Mystique's a great and character. sometimes, at least in the cartoons, she did help the X-Men when yeah. she was all of a sudden everybody's mother. Especially the movie version of Mystique because she basically grew up as Professor Xavier's, like, little sister. Mm -hmm. So it, it makes sense that she would, you know, and she was actually on the X-Men. It's a great character. You know, at some point... You know, we don't want to do too many of these right now, but we're going to do all villains teams. Like, Ooh. you know, because you don't get as many teams of villains because they don't play nice. But, you know, there's like, you got your Legion of Doom. You got your Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Sinister Six. Sinister Six. Yeah, Sinister Six. The original Sinister Six in Spider-Man Annual Number 1 is like the Sinister Six. I, I, I can entertain notions of other characters being in there, but for me, it's always going to be the OG Six. But uh, I think that this is a fun exercise, and by fun I mean super nerdy. But what else do we do here except for super nerdy? We'll occasionally, you know, venture into Coltrane's corner, but that's that's about it. You know, I mean, we we always nerd it up. We find a way to nerd it up. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're still interested in hearing all of your suggestions about who whom. No, mm -hmm. who your ideal uh, superhero teams are, and throw some other teams into the mix that we're not talking about. Uh, I, I don't know how helpful i'll be at a ranking suicide squad members if it's not like well i guess the ones in the movie but are, they, are there other ones, uh, the ones in yeah the there there are there are but i'm not well versed in that but see that's mm. a great opportunity it's an invitation for people to educate us tell us more and suggest some other teams and again you can do that at blackcast b-l-a-d-t-c-a-s-t like the blackcast on Facebook. Thanks so much, Captain EO. Now, let's welcome back for a few minutes here Jeff Winstead, who was with us last week on Blackcast 216. He's a big comic book fan and a comic book creator with his own series, The Alternate, which is available on Comixology. Welcome back to the Blackcast, Jeff. Thanks, Christian. Appreciate you having me. You tell me, why is Crisis on Infinite Earths better than Secret Wars? Well, the, the major reason is it actually still has relevance to the DC universe to this day. Even after Rebirth and uh, New 52 and all that? They cannot get away from it. They keep reincorporating elements of crisis and referencing crisis back into the books. So I think for that reason alone, I mean, the reason I started reading comics in 2011 was the New 52 thing. Yeah. That just drove me crazy. Like, Which I, I, think I, you've, I think you've heard uh, enough black cast that you know that Will feels exactly that same way. New 52, Correct. he stopped. And with Rebirth, he's actually buying a bunch of comics again because he's just really excited. And he right. loaned, loaned me, I think, a whole 12-issue run of Aquaman because he wants me to understand that Aquaman is actually not the character. I think he is, that he's actually pretty cool. I would say that those Aquaman comics kind of split the difference. He's okay. He's 
cooler than I think, but he's still not. He's not like on the Mount Rushmore. Uh, I share his I love of Aquaman. Yeah, yeah. Going along already, I can tell you that. Yeah. I'm curious to know if Will read this. It was a great miniseries in the about 1986 where he has a blue outfit. I'll have to ask him about that. Uh, yeah. So I guess that Crisis on Infinite Earths. What I know about it, much more consequential. Secret Wars was a 12 issue series that came out once a month, but their superheroes were only gone for one issue, you know? So like they come back and you're still on issue two of secret wars. So clearly nothing major was going to happen except for the black costume. And that Colossus realized that he probably shouldn't be dating a 13 year old. Those are the two things that I think came out of that. Oh, though it was interesting though, that the thing decided to not come back to earth because he could control his transformation. And that actually made for some interesting stories in the Thing's solo book in like 1985-86 before right. it was canceled. And that's when She-Hulk was in the Fantastic Four, which was something that I referenced a few episodes ago. Yes. Yeah. So the, Not the just... as good as the Thing as a WWE wrestler. <laughs> no. That, I, was, that was fantastic. I don't know that anything could, could top that. <laughs> so, so the thing about that is that, yes, I can understand that. I just remember, you know, look, I actually read Secret Wars. I just thought it was awesome that all these comic book characters were in one series, but they were transported to some mystical world and basically they were back and nothing had really changed. Yeah. So it was a lot of fun. I think it suffered also. We, we discussed this, that the Mike Zek didn't, the artist didn't stick with the book through the whole 12 issues. Yeah. And he's I mean, a great he, artist. He did that great Punisher miniseries, yeah. the first yes. real Punisher yeah. miniseries. Does he still work much? I mean, do you, does he turn up a lot? I, I don't. He you, doesn't do a lot of interior stuff. I, I'll occasionally see him on a cover. Yeah, well, he oh, those the covers of all five of those Punisher, yeah. the Punisher miniseries. Yeah, it was a great job. You know, what I realized is I can't let you go without having you give me your dream teams of the Justice League, the X-Men and the Avengers. I wanted to give you the opportunity and you know, were making a case for me allowing seven in the Justice League because they usually but, only have seven. But I said, no, see, that's what makes it difficult is you have to leave someone out. Uh, if you have those in front of you, uh, I just take a, a, you know, a moment to talk about you know, each of those teams in whatever order you want to go. So I'll start with the Justice League since that was the one that you seemed less invested in because I, I noticed when you gave your list, you pretty much just said- I picked yes. the Super Friends, basically. <laughs> whatever Will wants yeah. is fine. No, no, I picked the Super Friends because that's who I who I think of. You know, I, I think that at least part of my list was certainly right. Uh, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, you yes. know. I had slightly different criteria perhaps than you and Will. I did have, I had three point criteria. One being that it must feel like a classic lineup, which I think is what you guys were shooting for. Yeah. And the other two were, it would be a book that I would like to read and a book that I would like to write. Because of that, my pairings might be a little bit different. But here's my Justice League team. Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. I think that's the three you need to make it feel like a classic team. It'd be it'd be very difficult to imagine not having those three. Exactly. Then I'm going to throw in Firestorm because that's a character that I love. I'm a complete nut for that character. And I also think for fans of a certain generation, he was in Super Friends, as we mentioned. And he also represents a very important era of the Justice League, which is the satellite era, which was sort of in, the, in pretty much the 80s, which they would have as many as 17 members, and they had a big satellite floating above the Earth, and it's the classic what, when people think of Justice League, this is the team they think of. Um, I would also include, there's a character called Vixen, I'm not sure if you're familiar with. No, no, I, I'm familiar with uh, an, an 80s slash 
80s hair metal band called Vixen that was all girls. But yes. no, I am not familiar with uh, a superhero named Vixen. Vixen is a very awesome Jerry Conway creation. She's black. She's from, from Africa. And my first issue of Justice League was this bizarre time period where none of the core members were on the team. And it was what we call now Justice League Detroit. And it was all these scrubs later joined by Batman trying to save the book from cancellation, I think. Well, yeah, uh, if you're going to have Justice League Detroit, you you need to bring one of the one of the big guns in there. Yeah, exactly. And I can go on and on about this, but the, suffice it to say, the first issue I got was issue 252. And there's a great scene with Bruce Wayne and uh, Vixen's secret identity is Mari McCab. And she's a model and they're having dinner in Gotham. And I thought this is a great pairing because she knows that he's Batman. He knows who she is, but they can function together as superheroes and also as, you know, she fits right in with the Bruce Wayne's playboy identity. I think that's an interesting dynamic because, you know, sort of from my run of Spider-Man, there was a point where he was uh, briefly dating the black cat, but Felicia Hardy had no interest in Peter Parker. She only liked Spider-Man, which I thought was really interesting. It's a little harsh, too, because Peter Parker is a great guy, but, you know, not for your Felicia Hardy. So that sounds very interesting. That sounds like a a, a kind of a cool dynamic. And so that was in the Justice League at that point. So does that fill out your entire roster or is there? I have one more. Yeah, that's five. My six would be Green Lantern, John Stewart. So the Green Lantern that hosted The Daily Show on Comedy Central? Exactly. exactly. Okay, I didn't I didn't know that the Green Lantern did that. (laughs) Look, I know I, I know. Oh, obviously Hal Jordan. I remember there being a black Green Lantern at one point. That's and John then, Stewart. Okay, that's John Stewart. By no, the way, isn't that the same time period that Rhodey was Iron Man? It was. Yeah. It, well, back, backtracking a little bit, in the 70s, he was, I think, may have popped up in a one-issue thing as Green Lantern. Okay. They didn't, we didn't see him again for a while. But yeah, he was flying around in the late 80s. He was actually Green Lantern in Crisis. So, that makes sense. Um, it's a similar thing. Hal was off doing some kind of Hal stuff. He wasn't an alcoholic, but he was off. Uh, and, Hal doing what Hal does, yeah. Doing Hal, you know, <laughs> how he is. The, the reason I included him is for fans of a certain age, probably like Will, who may have grown up a little bit watching that Justice League Unlimited cartoon. Mm-hmm. A lot of people know him as Green Lantern. He's their Green Lantern. Bring no, that's like, that's like that's like Will with Wally West. Yeah, I mean, I understand that enough, that Will just likes Wally West because Wally was his Flash and he was the Flash for so long. He's not a Barry Allen guy. That's Uh, why there is no Flash on my Justice League team because I do not understand bringing Barry Allen back. That's interesting because, I mean, Will obviously loves the Flash so much that I don't think he could imagine not having him there, but... I wonder, I'll have to pose him that question too. If it could only be Barry, then he'd probably be like, yeah, I don't need him. So Yeah, Barry is great as a martyr, but yeah. as a living character, they've not convinced me that he needs to be back well, in the Barry, Barry Allen is so great that they needed an actor to play him in the TV show and they need a different actor to play him in the movie. So obviously Barry <laughs> Allen's the best. I don't know what you guys are talking about. But <laughs> we'll anyway. address that later perhaps. <laughs> yeah, yeah, once once we get the Justice League movie, we'll, right. we can uh, talk about that. Exactly. Uh, all right, so let's move it on to uh, the universe that I'm more familiar with with let's go with the avengers yeah so for the avengers i have captain america thor and iron man yep those are the essential to make it feel like the core team then i'm adding a character who is now has the unfortunate name spectrum but when you and i were reading comics she was called captain marvel oh i loved that character i loved that captain marvel for lack of a better thing to refer to her as she was black captain marvel she was monica rambo yeah god i loved her as a character i think when i was reading the book she may have been team leader she might have been because there there was a point where i think cap had to you know cap was having some problems with the government i think i think might be right but yeah that team had the black knight on it who you know i I sort of derided when will and i were talking about it but i i I really liked that character i I think his name was dane whitman which i'm not looking that up that's just in my head because i I liked the 
Black Knight, but I don't think he was a very big character. Although, as we referenced the last time, I, I loved him in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Uh, anyway, so Spectrum, the former Ms. Marvel. Uh, no, not former Captain Marvel. Yes. And uh, who else? Um, She-Hulk, who I noticed was yeah. also, I believe, on your team. I, I don't think that she would be on most people's lists, but uh, I, I think that... Gen Jennifer Walters or Jessica Walters? I think she's Jennifer Walters. Jennifer. She's a great character, and I just I loved the idea that there was a female Hulk, and I thought she was a great character. She had a great solo book that was actually a sort of a tongue-in-cheek, you know, quasi-comedy book that John yeah, Byrne John did. Burned it. Uh, but yeah. I thought she was great on the Avengers. She was a great part. You know, look, your team often needs brute strength. You know, it's good to have the Thing or She-Hulk or Colossus. You know, I mean, you could go through the list. There's so many, but I think that it's an important part of the Avengers and, you know, the movie Avengers, the cinematic Avengers has the Hulk. You know, you can't really control him. So it's tough to have the Hulk. Having She-Hulk would be a lot better. Correct. That, that's what I'm thinking. She, like, and again, she was in an era of the books that I was reading. I just love the dynamic of her being on the team. Yeah. No, I, I give that a big thumbs up because of how much I liked her. So the sixth character, this is my wild card, is Captain Britain. Has Captain Britain ever been on the Avengers? To my knowledge, no. Okay. It ever has. And I just love the visual, like seeing this visual of the characters standing together and seeing Captain America standing next to Captain Britain is just so awesome. I, I mean, I definitely like that idea. And I like the character Captain Britain, who I really only know through Excalibur. Excalibur was a spinoff of the X-Men that actually had some of my favorite X-Men on it. It had Kitty Pride and Nightcrawler on yes. Excalibur. And yeah. then they added uh, Captain Britain and... Someone called Megan, who I still don't remember what she what her deal was. But yeah, she was like an elf or something. Yeah, right? exactly, just some kind of elf. She but, was Captain Britain's. Yeah, so I don't know him that well. But and that was one of those things too. I think neither you nor I have ever read the no. the Marvel UK run that Alan Davis did of Captain Britain, which I think deals a lot with his sister Psylocke back when she was still British and not. Right quasi-Asian. <laughs> and it's a character that I like. And Alan Davis is a, is a great creator. So it's like still in the back of my mind, I still want to read some of those. Um, yeah. I, I agree as, as a concept as sort of what it would be like for Captain Britain to be in the Avengers. I would like to see it. I don't know if he qualifies for the list, though, because he was never on the team. But I will not pass judgment on you for putting him on there. I will... I will put you to the mercy of Black Cast Nation and let See, them weigh one, in. One of the, part of the magic of the Avengers is this idea that you they almost always have some wild card member who's... Yeah, sometimes it's Spider-Man, sometimes it's Wolverine, you know, right. I mean, it just depends. Well, it right. depends. I feel like the, the Black Cast audience will probably give me a give me a pass on that, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll look, look, Rob Lorich is, is kind of a stickler, so he's the one that you have to impress. You don't have to impress me or even Will. <laughs> we'll see what Rob Lorich has to say. Uh, I think that, that would be a great team, and I would love to read, you know, adventures with that team in it. I'd love to see uh, Captain Britain. Uh, so speaking of Excalibur and the X-Men... Talk a little bit about your ideal lineup for the X-Men. So X-Men, I'm doing something a little different. But we're going to go with Wolverine, obviously. Sure. And pretty much at that point, any other five members would be fine. You pretty much have an X-Men team with Wolverine and any other person who's ever been an X-Man before. But my other characters are Rachel Summers. Yeah, at one point known as Phoenix 2. Exactly. Uh, Book of Shadows. <laughs> yeah, I liked the Rachel Summers character, actually. You know, it was weird because she was from a future timeline and she sort of came back and her mother was dead and then, of course, not dead and you know, some very complicated timelines there. Exactly. But I liked the Rachel Summers character and 
I don't feel like she gets the kind of appreciation that maybe she's due. You know, I know they they sent her like way into the future at one point, and that that was a whole storyline that I don't think I was that impressed by, uh, because I think they felt like Cable kind of filled the need of. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think Cable's a pretty cool character too. I, I, you know, it's not mutually exclusive. They sure. can have them both, but uh, yeah, Rachel Summers is a great call. Uh, who else are you thinking? Um, then I have Psylocke. Which one? You have? Do you have White Psylocke or Asian Psylocke? Oh, I'm, I'm going full out Asian. Yeah, of course. Well, I mean, she has like the ninja skills. She's a more useful member of the team. I have to give her that. Exactly. And it's also kind of a nod to that era of the book when Jim Lee was doing yeah. the book. Look, X-Men number one is still the best selling comic book of all time. So they were right. clearly doing something right. So beyond that, I have Rogue, who yep. I always liked. She was the sort of the feature in my first issue of X-Men, which was X-Men 197. Oh, with Dr. Doom on the cover, right? Um, no, um, unless I'm giving you the wrong number. Um, it was Nimrod. Oh, that is either 194 or 199. Oh, it's so probably, you know what? It, it, it's 199 has Rachel turning into the Phoenix for the first first time no i did not google that black cast nation i am looking it up now just to make sure that i'm right yeah 194 it's a blue cover yeah i'm looking at it right now and it's actually nimrod and juggernaut and rogue actually looks like nightcrawler and colossus so she has taken on both of their powers in in that instance yeah of course that issue she takes on the entire team's powers or something uh nimrod was it was a a great sort of like uber hyper sentinel visitor from the future or one of those storylines obviously these are the comics that i read when i was most impressionable so like these mid 80s lineups for these teams are what i gravitated towards for justice league it was because i it was of who i saw in the super friends it's not fair but i just don't have the knowledge you know that'd be another homework assignment though to uh, come up with our favorite it doesn't have to actually be a team that would work well together just sort of a top five, uh, uh, like favorite, most obscure characters, you know? Oh, sure. Uh, and I, I think that each, each team has members that you're like, oh, wait, when was that? But, uh, <laughs> you know, we can go from there or <laughs> in the future. But anyway, so that, that's your X-Men lineup. Well, I have two more. So oh, okay. where I jumped tracks a little bit. So I had written, first thing I wrote was Cyclops, but I scratched it out. Oh no. Okay. So in the interest of storytelling, Actually, I'm going to slot in Cannonball from the New Mutants. I know he it's, was on the X-Men at one point, and uh, I, I do it's, like I do like Sam Guthrie. I, I like Cannonball, sure. I'm going to bring him in as team leader because I like the idea that you can actually graduate from the New Mutants. Yeah, to... I'd kind of wondered about that at one point. It's like, well, how long are they going to be the New Mutants? And then the right. answer was like, oh, I guess he's ready to, to go up to the show. Also, being a bit biased because he's like the only superhero from Kentucky that I know. <laughs> So, well, he has a sister too, though, right? Oh, yeah. I don't like when they made any of his siblings. Like, they eventually made his sister Husk. She was on Generation I, X. I picked up some bizarre issue of, I think, just regular X-Men where his he has a brother who's flying around like Angel. I'm not into all the siblings, but as a him as a character, I, I really like. He's a good character. Yeah. I, I, again, underappreciated, but we are about to get a new Mutants movie. So Correct. Know, I hope we get to know him. All right. And, and then mostly I would bring in Beast. You can't really argue with having Beast on your Dream X-Men team or your Dream Avengers team. Either way, you're going to win. He's a yes, great I like character. The, I like the tension of, you know, a guy who was there through all the times that Scott was leader of the team. Yeah, that's a good point. Having to deal with a different guy who's like a young kid. Well, used to be a young kid being the leader. Yeah. So just for, just for the storytelling tension, I think that might be fun. 
Well, look, it's an interesting list, and uh, I, I can sign off on most of it, but we obviously want to get everybody's reaction at Blatcast, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T, on Twitter. You're at Jeff Winstead, W-I-N-S-T-E-A-D. Thanks so much to Jeff Winstead, who, again, has his series, The Alternate, on Comixology. Thanks, Christian. Appreciate it. And, of course, to our very own Captain EO on Twitter and Instagram, at Jeff DeRay. And, of course, the one and only Katie Darrell, who hosts World's Greatest Tribute Bands, Wednesday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific. Now, next week, we have a little something special in store for all of you. We've got some very special shows dedicated to celebrating the 10th anniversary of the launch of the one and only Dennis Miller show, which premiered March 26th. 2007. We will have some really special guests, so be sure to check out those shows, the first one of which will be posted on Sunday, March 26, 2017, the official 10th anniversary. How do you make sure to not miss any of those shows or miss the Blackcast? Well, you follow us at Blackcast, B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T, like the Blackcast on Facebook, and of course, you should always bookmark blackcast.com and don't forget you can win your very own blackcast t-shirt simply by sharing the blackcast on social media on twitter retweet our links to new episodes and on facebook share our new episodes tell everyone how much you enjoy the show you could be chosen at random for a blackcast t-shirt just make sure that you comment something like listen to this great podcast the blackcast and you can win a free t-shirt or more likely you'll probably write something along the lines of Listen to this adequate podcast and you could win a free t-shirt. Thanks again to all my guests. And of course, thanks so much to each and every one of you for listening. We'll see you next week for our celebration of a decade of The Dennis Miller Show. That'll be next time on The Blackcast. Cast. <laughs>